2: I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. We're all out of bubblegum at the Moranalytics podcast. Means I got to kick some ass today. What's up podcast people? Patrick Moran here. Today's Thursday, April 26th. And I got not just one good guest, but two solid guests on the show for you today. First, from WGR 550 in Buffalo, I have longtime Sports Talk radio show host Howard Simon coming on. I'll tell you what, as someone who grew up in Buffalo, and I've spent most of my life there until the past two years or so, and I've been a lifelong sports fan, there's very, very few people in the Buffalo sports media more loved and respected than Howard Simon. The guy's been a mainstay on the airwaves since the mid-90s, and for very good reason. He's got great opinions, but more importantly than that, at least to me, he completely respects the opinion of fans. He'll have an engaging conversation with you, and I have a great conversation with him today. I talked to him about his journey throughout his radio career. We talk about the Buffalo Bills a little bit, of course. We talk about the Buffalo Sabres and the animosity that it caused between media and fans, or fans versus fans, or even media versus media when it came to the tank a couple years ago. He's very upfront and honest about that. And I talk about several other things with him. It's a fun interview. Looking forward to bringing you that. After that and staying on the WGR 550 train, I got Nate Gary coming on. I got Nate on because I'm going to unveil my one and my only mock draft. I haven't done one. I've intentionally held off, but I'm finally going to do one today. Nate is a great football mind, not just in Buffalo, but for around the entire NFL. So I figured it would be a great idea to have him on and have him give his insights to some of my picks and some of his own thoughts on how he thinks the NFL draft is going to go on. Now, I know this is going to come as a complete shock to you all, but I have a tendency to get a little bit long-winded at the top here with my intros before I get into my interviews each episode. But because I got two slam dunks ahead here, I ain't going to do that shit today. Right off the bat. Here's my interview with Howard Simon, immediately followed by my NFL Mock Draft with Nate Gary. All right, my guest today is part of the fabric of Buffalo Sports Talk throughout the years, whether it was at WBN Radio, WNSA, the Empire Sports Network on TV, or since 2004, WGR 550 in Buffalo. He's been in the homes and ears of listeners everywhere. I'm talking, of course, about Howard Simon. Howard, how you doing? Thanks for coming on today.
1: My pleasure, Patrick. How you doing today?
2: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's draft time. It's obviously, you know, very big time here in Buffalo. And we're going to get to that stuff in a minute. I want to kind of go back a little bit to the beginning with, uh, with you and radio because, I mean, you've been on for a long time and you're someone that I've listened to growing up. So I kind of want to get the backstory a little bit. Now, WGR, you weren't always at WGR. It became an all sports station in 2000. Now at the time you you weren't at WGR yet you were at BN at that time correct?
1: No, I would have been at M- Empire and NSA. Okay,
2: yeah, that's right.
1: I, when I was at BN, I, I don't even I couldn't even tell you the line. I know Art Wander was doing nights at GR, but I could probably couldn't even tell you the rest of the lineup.
2: It was a battle going on at the time, you know. WGR wasn't a standalone uh, sports talk show or station, I should say, in Buffalo at that time. You were on the other side. What are your memories of sports radio at that time?
1: Yeah, we were just trying to establish ourselves, you know. Um, for me, I mean, actually, when I first got here in '89, the gold standard was Ben. Um, now it wasn't all sports, you know. It had it was news, talk, sports, and at night it was Murph. At that, I'm pretty sure it would have been at that point Murph because he had taken over for Stan Barron. And I remember I was working up in the falls at a little radio station called WJJL. I used to get home at night and I used to listen to Ben every night. I Used to listen to Murph all the time, and to me that was the station. That was like I said, like I said. That was the gold standard. Like, that's where I want to work. So that, that's what I was thought about at the time. When I got to BEN in 93, that was like a big move for me. I was pretty excited about that because I, I had no connections to GR. Well, I don't even know if I would, would have known anybody who was working over at GR at the time. So BEN was the station I always kind of, you know, set my sights to. When I got moved over to NSA and transitioned from television to radio, we were just trying to get ourselves established because it was a brand new station. Um, and you know, we didn't really have a base to build off of, and we were just trying to, you know, kind of make some inroads there and, and, and get people. Empire had developed, um, a brand, but we were just trying to get people to learn a little bit more about NSA and try and make that a part of their regular habits.
2: A big blow to WNSA came in 2002 when Mike Schelp went from there to WGR. And then, like you said, in 2004, you came from WNSA to WGR and you got paired with Jeremy White from the morning show. Jeremy was doing evenings at the time with Brad Ryder before that, correct? I
1: believe so, yes. Mm-hmm.
2: So you guys have been together for a long time. I mean, radio yeah. tandems and markets, they come and go pretty often. Like, Chopin Bulldog in the afternoon have been together for about 16 years. And now you and Jeremy have been together for about 14. What's the secret to being successful and staying together all that time without growing stale?
1: <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> he, I, I uh, You know, cause he's, he's really creative. Like he is a guy who's really in touch with the times and how the business evolves and, and how the show evolves. And I'm like, I just show up and I just talk sports, but he is, he's got a good, you know, we, I think we both have all four of us, quite honestly with Mike and Chris. I mean, um, those two guys, Mike and Chris are from Western New York, Jeremy's from central New York. I'm from downstate, but I think all four of us have been around, around here um, long enough to know, you know, what, what's important to the sports fans, to the listeners and kind of have, you know, the whole finger on the pulse of the community thing. That helps. Um, but I also, I do, I do think Jeremy, look, you know, I'm the oldest guy out there of the four. And I think Jeremy does a really good job of of understanding how the, the things have changed, how the business has evolved and what's, you know, what's a new way to approach things. How's a different way to do this in a creative way and a fun way to do that. So I, I give him a lot of credit. He, he's done a lot of, really good things over the years to keep the show fresh. You know, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's always going to be an opinion. It's a sports show and we're going to give our opinions, but there are there are ways to continue to make it entertaining. And, and quite honestly, he's done a fabulous job at that.
2: Before WGR, as you mentioned, you were on TV with the Empire Sports Network. Was it a big difference for you between TV and radio? Did you enjoy one more than the other?
1: Well, I always like radio. That's my first love. Um, I, I had a I had a, a good time at Empire. It was it was um was an interesting place to work at. And and the nice thing about Empire, although you know what, we have the same thing at GR. Was free reign. It's not I never worked anywhere where I felt you know there were constraints where the bosses were out of touch. They didn't let us do what we wanted to do. But Empire was cool because it was like a blank canvas. You know, nobody had done that here in Buffalo. Um, it was a it, you know it was before really Empire came on I, I, how many regional sports networks were operating at that point and and doing their own you know two and a half hour essentially two and a half hour local sports show it was very rare at that point so we were kind of breaking ground and so Empire was a little bit different because again not a lot of people had tried this formula and we were kind of, you know, doing things and trying to see what worked and what didn't work. And, and you know, most of it went over pretty well. So Empire was just a little bit of a different animal, but I, I always like radio. I mean, um, TV was good. It was it was a great experience for me. It opened up, you know, it, it was a fantastic career move at the time to go from B.E.N. over to Empire. But you got to shave, you know, you got to put on a <laughs> coat and tie, you got to put on makeup. You know, there's there's a lot that goes into television in terms of So many things behind the scenes and so many aspects of what makes the television show work. Radio, you know, you you sit down, you turn on the mic and you blab. So radio is a lot simpler and I get to dress like a slub, and I I don't have to shave. So I've always preferred radio.
2: (laughs) I'm sure you've probably seen them or at least know about them. But in, in getting ready for this interview, I watched some clips on YouTube of you going all the way back to 1996 when you were on WBN, like you talked about at the beginning here. You had a show. It's Tuesday through Fridays, correct? Six to nine. That was the show.
1: Well, we were on Monday too, uh, because Monday was always the night we had Larry Felter on the show. Okay, so Monday we were on Monday through Friday. I think, I, yeah, I guess it would have been six to nine. It would have been Buffalo's Evening News was on four to six, and we were on at six, and then Bulldog came on after me, and then he eventually did the whole night uh, schedule when I went over to uh, to Empire. But Monday night was always Monday night was always Monday night quarterback with Larry Felter. That's right. Uh, the you late know what? Sports editor of the Buffalo News.
2: God, now I do. I remember that. This clip had a yeah. bunch of highlights, just not from radio with you, but also television too. In fact, on that clip, there was a show called Pros and Cons there on the Empire yeah. Sports Network. That was with Ed Kilgore, Larry Felzer, Art and Art Larry. Wander. Your memories of yeah. that? That was a good. That was a good show.
1: Yeah, but that, you know, that was now that was those it was those three guys and I think they had a, a guest each week, right? If I recall correctly.
2: Yes, um, Mike Harrington was, was a, on the one I saw the
1: clip. Yeah, I, I think I was probably on that show once because I think they flipped it up every week. But um, that was that was one of the shows that really that was M- Empire before Fan TV was doing local content, and Bob Kaczynski would have had a show on Mondays, and 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 uh, Pros and Cons was a really popular show for them. Paul McGuire was doing bill shows back then, he used to have a show each week. I think with Polian. The, you know, Marv had a show on Empire where he did the famous, you know, Go Bill song. Yep, yep. So you know, it, it was good at the time because again, that was Empire creating another avenue for talk shows and, and another place for Buffalo sports fans to turn. And uh, and those shows eventually, you know, they had so much success with that they decided to take it a step further and create Fan TV and really expand their operations.
2: I was going to ask you about that next. You did Fan TV with Jim Brinson. What was that experience like for you? I liked that show.
1: Yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. It, it was uh, it was enjoyable. It was I, I you know I've got a lot of fond memories of it. We had a lot of a lot of great talent. You know, some of them. You know the sad thing is when uh, when Adelphia went under, there, there were some really talented people that left the area, and some stayed in broadcasting. Some got out, um, but you know, you think, uh, geez, I, I, who did I, I saw the other day? Was Jason Bristol? I think he's in Houston now. Uh, he was an Empire Sports Network anchor and went on to Harrisburg. PA was there for a while. I'm pretty sure now he's working in Houston. But uh, Jimmy Brinson's out in the Midwest, I'm either Des Moines or Dubuque. He's somewhere in Iowa. Um, you know, Kerry Sayers went on and had a really good career. Josh Moore eventually, I think, got out of the business. Uh, but there were a lot of talented people that were in the building at that, over that time um, for Empire Sports Network. It was a really fun operation.
2: Now, of all the shows that you've done, my absolute favorite on radio was when you were with WNSA, the Sharpshooters with Mike Robitaille and the late, great Jim Kelly. I mean, Shope was the original host. and You you eventually took over. That show was so good, honestly. It was better than the game half the time. I loved watching or listening to that show.
1: Well, I, I, I mean, I can't speak for Mike. He did a fantastic job with it. I take no credit whatsoever. If you're on a show with Roby and Jim Kelly, all you basically have to do is don't screw it up. You know, I mean, it's just the, the, those two guys, that's not working. I mean, some days this job is work. (laughs) A lot of bills football Mondays over the years where the job feels like work, but that show was not work. That was, I mean, you could have plopped us in a bar and put some drinks on the table and it would have felt exactly the same way. I, 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 think I do speak for Mike when I say I always look forward to that hour because, it, it, that, again, it didn't feel like you were doing a radio show or a simulcast or whatever we were doing at the time. It felt like you just met Jim and Roby out at a local watering hole, and you were hanging out talking about the Sabres and hockey. And those guys were – I miss Jim a lot, really miss him a lot. And uh, Roby has been a pleasure to work with over the years as well. That will always be. Um, those shows – because at BEM, I did a show with Jim too, he, and I, Murph had started that. Um, hockey night in Buffalo with Jim Kelly mm-hmm. and, you know, Monday morning, Monday night quarterback rather with Larry Felzer. And geez, we did, a, a I think it was inside the huddle with Vic Carucci. I mean, those shows were always a blast for me because it's just like just hanging out with these guys and talking about the local
2: teams. Now with your morning show here at WGR, again, which you've done for a long time now, what time do you typically get into the studio for a 6 a.m. show? Like what's your process? I mean, you got to sleep at some point.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, you know, it's not like I, you know, I'm I'm not getting up at like two o'clock in the morning. I get up around four thirty. I get into work around five, and that gives me an hour to get ready for the show. We typically, you know, have an idea of what we're talking about going in. We know, geez, I mean, these last three months has been pretty much draft. Um, but I, I like to get in a little bit before five or right around five. Pop on Sports Center. Get on the computer. To you know, because I I don't stay up till you know 10, 11 o'clock finding out what's going on in sports um, I will, you know, I, I gotta get to sleep. So I'll wake up in the morning. I'll find out what's happening. As I said, go through the internet, go through half a dozen or so sites, see what stories have happened from the night before overnight, some interesting things to bring up. We pretty much have an idea of the main thrust of the of the show, but you want to see what else is going on that, that you can bring up. And that that's pretty much it, you know, b- between the internet and sports center, I'll have an idea of anything that happened in sports that I, I need to be up on um, if there was a, a crazy play, a crazy ending, a controversial moment, if it's hockey, you know, there was a, a goal challenge or a vicious cross check or anything that happened, anything going on that we, we will, we will need to discuss in the course of the four hour show. I'll pretty much have an idea on it when I get into in the morning.
2: What would you consider your favorite and your least favorite thing about having a morning show from six to 10?
1: Oh, the least favorite thing is the hours. They suck. Yeah. Um, It's too damn early. <laughs> I've I've tried to convince my boss to to start morning shows at eight a.m., but apparently that's just never going to happen. <laughs> but I, I have learned over the years. I always I always wondered how many people were up that early. But I have learned over the years that a lot of people are up. I mean, you you know, there there are people who get up. I always thought it was just those crazy people in broadcasting that are up that early, but it isn't the case. A lot of people are up. A lot of people are listening. Um, m- Maybe not calling because it's the morning and life is busy. But I've come to appreciate how many people are in at, you know, in when I mean mean in listening at 6 a.m. So my my least favorite part is definitely the hours. It's tough. It's, uh, sure. you know, I, 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 I look at guys like, you know, John Zach, who used to work at B.E.N., who did mornings forever. And I even look at even B.E.N., the current morning show, they're on at five. They get up an hour earlier than we do. The TV morning news shows, these people are waking up at like 2, 2.30 in the morning. I have no idea how they do that. So. <laughs> The hours are are rough. Um, My favorite thing—I'm not going to lie—you get done at ten o'clock, especially in the summer. It's a beautiful thing when you walk out of the studio at ten fifteen and it's sunny and seventy-five degrees outside, and you've got the rest of the day.
2: Sure. Now, with any, you know,
1: you get a good parking spot. You know, that's another perk too. There's there's nobody in the building first few hours of the day. Management's not around. The building's quiet. Nobody's there. There's some upsides to those crazy hours.
2: (laughs) Now, with a big show comes criticism. I don't care who it is or where you are. One of the criticism that you and Jeremy always got to deal with and everyone else at the station for that matter, they get from the media, maybe some fans. It's because you're the flagship flagship station for both the Bills and the Sabres that you tend to be softer on them. How much does that bother you when you hear that?
1: Did did they listen to Bills football Monday during the the drought? I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't worry about it. Look, we got the same stuff at NSA and quite honestly, I didn't, I didn't, I got more upset then, because remember at the time, we were the flagship of the Sabres, but we were owned by the Reguses. Right. So the guys who owned the hockey team owned the radio station and owned Empire. And, and, you know, we used to get, heck, it was GR used to run promos all the time about how we were basically shills for the team. It was never true. It was never true then, never true now. I've never been a shill for anybody. I'm not going to be a shill for anybody. If the Bills stink, we say the Bills stink. If we don't like a coach or a GM or a draft pick, we say we don't like the coach, the GM, or the draft pick. And it's the same thing with the hockey team. You know, when they're bad, bad. So I I, I know it's out there. I will tell you that it's it's not true. Um, No one has told me, hey, don't say anything bad about this coach. Don't say anything bad about this GM. Hey, make sure you're happy with the draft class when it's announced. We go out, we give our opinion, because you know what? If we didn't, we lose credibility. I mean, at the end of the day, Sure. I'd love everybody to love the show. I, I Nobody wants criticism. I'd like everybody to be happy with the show. At the end of the day, I have to live with myself. So if I'm being dishonest on the show because, hey, uh, someone told me to take it easy on the Bills or the Sabres, I got to live with that at the end of the day. And I'm not going to do that. My credibility, my reputation, Jeremy, Mike, Chris, all these guys, we have our reputations are on the line. And I don't think in good conscience, that I'd be able to do something if I was told, you have to say this, you can't say that, make sure you you follow these rules. Nobody does that with us.
2: I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the Sabres tank from a couple of years ago and the launch of, uh, I don't want to say a feud, but a lot of disagreements. Eh, I will say feud between pro tankers and anti-tankers, whether it was yeah. the fans or the even the media at times as well. I mean, there were battles. they were battles being drawn everywhere. Now, I've heard you personally say, the, the weight of that season, the tank season, it stressed you out at times, maybe more than uh, anything yeah, else, yeah. maybe more than yeah. anything else that's ever happened with Buffalo sports. When it comes to you, how, str- yeah. how stressful and how difficult was it at that time to, 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 get through that? And like I said, it was just such a division. It seemed like you were on yeah. one side or the other and no one was in between.
1: Yeah, no, it was rough. Yeah. By the end of it, I was drained. I don't, I don't want to go through that again. Um, for, for, for numerous reasons, if you're going through that again, your team stinks. By the way, right? I um yeah, it was it was really difficult. On the one hand, I mean, it was amazing radio. I mean, it was amazing shows for all of us. I mean, you talk about passion in sports oh, fans. Yeah. Holy Toledo! I mean, it was like you said, whichever and and I, that's fine. I I I'm not here to criticize pro tankers and say they were wrong. And and they I you know I hope they have an open mind. They can disagree with us, and I can disagree with them. That's fine. But man, people were, it, it was um, it was Rob Johnson versus Doug Flutie times a gazillion. Right. And yes. I'll never forget it. Yeah, it was, it was really the whole process. I mean, watch, staying up. I mentioned, you know, a moment ago, like the hours, like I really, I, you know, if the Sabres are playing, I'll stay up, but it's hard to stay up every night till 10, 1030 watch games and then go to, go to bed and work. I just can't, I can't do it. I'd be drained the nights I stayed up. To watch Edmonton Oilers and Arizona Coyotes hockey games, unbelievable. I mean, I'm on the edge of my seat, staring at my computer, watching the Coyotes play the Detroit Red Wings, praying for the Coyotes to win a hockey game. I, it was incredible. I mean, yeah, it was. It was really stressful. It was very controversial. Um, I will still always look back at it and say, for those who thought it was a terrible idea, um, I don't think it set you back for five or ten years. And quite honestly, the Sabres had tried the normal standard operating practice for 40 plus years. What do they got out of it? Nothing. They have no cups. And it's to the finals twice, final twice and lost, you know? So I was, you know, why not? Why not try it? It was net. And, and looking back on it, the process, the tank is, is not where this thing went wrong. Nobody ever said at the tank, we guarantee they'll get one player and life will be great. The tank was about, building your franchise again, essentially almost like getting an expansion team. You got all these draft picks, you create all this cap space, you have this blank canvas to essentially redo your entire organization. Okay, what do you do with it? You know, do you trade for Ryan O'Reilly and give him a $50 million contract? Do you get rid of Mark Pesek and bring in a defenseman who is not really good? Do you, what do you do with the picks? Do you trade too many picks away? Do you trade too many prospects away? Do you give up a first-round pick for Robin Leonard? Was that a good idea? So that, that's the thing that, that bothers me with the tank. The tank itself is not why the Sabres are where they are. What the Sabres did, and Tim Murray and Jason Botchell, for that matter, what they did with all of those assets that they gathered when they were in the process of rebuilding the franchise out of the tank, they made a lot of mistakes, and that's why they're where they are. But yeah, no, I don't want to go through that again. It, it was, on the one hand, it was really fascinating radio because because of the passion everybody had and everybody cared about that. But on the other hand, it was really really stressful stuff, and I don't want to go through that again. I I just I'd rather become like a city that has winners so all the time. We could talk about playoffs every year.
2: It was stressful and, and fans were passionate. I've said this before. I, I talked to Sal Capaccio before about this. And Sal was bothered by the fact that um, like the whole entire radio station got labeled as pro-tank. Because that's not true. Sal was against it. and You know, you could fall on either side of the fence. And I know for a fact that even though the Buffalo News was allegedly all anti-tank, I know for a fact there were a couple guys at the Buffalo News personally that were rooting for them to lose as well. So both sides, you know what I mean, it wasn't all yeah. one against the other. So that thing bothered me and that bothered Sal. And but the thing that bothered me the most was like you mentioned it to the division. I, my my father-in-law is a huge Sabres fan and he's much older than me. And I sat there and I was like, "You, I got to a, a point where I wanted the Sabres to lose." I I was in for the take and I knew I wanted Jack Eichel or, or or Connor McDavid, of course. But I would cheer when, like, Arizona scored, I thought my father-in-law was going to punch me in the face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Was, I don't,
1: you know what? I, I'm sorry, go ahead, Patrick.
2: No, I was just going to say, it's, it's just, it was a very stressful and divisive yeah. time for Buffalo sports fans.
1: I don't, I, I don't typically root for teams to lose. I mean, it's, right. the tank is the exception to the rule. I mean, we've had years where the Bills, if the Bills are bad by Halloween and people start calling and say, hey, let's start losing some games to get a higher draft pick. I don't think that way. I never have. I'm, I'm usually, you know, a guy who says, "Well, why don't you win a few games and make me feel like, you know, maybe they do have a better team than I thought they did?" And then they'll go into the drafts and free agency and they'll make some changes and they'll be okay. I've never typically been a guy who hits, you know, November or even December and say, "All right, you know what, Bills just lose the rest of their games and end up with the one pick." You know, and don't end up with the three and get Marshall Darius. Be really lousy as long as you already are. What were they? I think they're 0-8 that year. You know it'd mm-hmm. Be really lousy, get the number one pick and then get Cam Newton. I, I just don't I don't typically operate that way. But if you're you know, if you're in a position to get one of two guys, and and again, it doesn't make sense to tank anymore because they've changed the lottery format. But back then, if you're in the position to get Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel, who everybody is talking about as these incredibly special Gifted. I didn't sit here. It's not like I. I I sat there on November first or Christmas and thought, well, saber season is over. Let's tank for Dalin. I didn't do that. I just don't do that. I don't think that way. But that year, with what was there at the top of the draft, with the guarantee that if you finish last, I am guaranteed no worse than the second pick in the draft. And this guy's that special kind of a player. Great. Go ahead. Let's do it. And 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 once you're in the tank, like that was part of it too. You could be. All right, it's a good idea. It's a bad idea. But then, when you're in the tank, and they start winning, we talk about trade the goalies. They're playing too well. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was so funny. It was probably I get it why like, people would cringe. It got to the point where it's so funny that we're sitting here talking. Enroth's good. Get rid of him. I, I mean, I know. I remember I went on the show one day and said, I don't care what you have to do. Go call up a goalie from the East Coast Hockey League. This is unacceptable. So I know it got out of control, crazy. But if you're if you've committed to it and you're trying to get to last and get one of those two spots and this is your plan, then I'm not going to hide my feelings about it. Go ahead and play, you know, go get the worst defensive and the worst goalies and let's get this thing done so you can get to the top of the draft. Again, that, that that was the one exception. I don't know that there's been any other season around here with the bills or the Sabres where I have sat there and said, let's lose. This is not, I don't like talking about losses. I think it stinks. I'd much rather talk about, I'd much rather be a, talk to your host in Boston and get bored with the team making the playoffs every year. And how do I come up with a fresh approach this season, uh, to, to, keep, you know, Patriots or whatever. Red Sox talk exciting. Give me, give me that. I'll take that over losing teams any day of the week.
2: How much do you think sports talk radio through the years has changed or has it, or is it still the same?
1: Um, it's changed. It, it has to, because there's a lot more competition out there. Um, it, it it's changed. Yeah. It's changed because there's the internet um, there are, uh, you know, there are so many more choices on television. There's so much more out there in terms of competition and even in terms of sports contact, you know, blogs, podcast, your podcast. I mean, there's so many other avenues out there right. for fans to get their sports information, their sports news, their sports opinions. So, so the competition has has changed the business. Um, for sure. And I, as I said at the, at the top, you've got to find ways to be creative. You've got to find ways to keep things fresh. You've got to find ways to make it entertaining because there, there's a lot more competition out there. And, you, you know, you got to be careful out there now because with Twitter, with social media, there are rumors and things that, are, that go out on Twitter that, you know, it's, it's a fine line between do we mention what something just tweeted out how do we know? Do we, do we have time to fact check it? Is it legit? There's a lot of stuff that can come out on Twitter that is completely false. And you don't want to just report things that turn out to be false. So, yeah, I think the business has changed considerably in the last 30 years. There are a lot more challenges to it
2: now. How important do you think it is to be active in social media? I know some of the guys at GR use Twitter more than you, but you use Twitter your fair amount. You get your points across. You have your takes. You promote your shows. You're pretty active on Twitter. It's something that's pretty important to you, isn't it?
1: Yeah, not, but not as, I mean, I could be a heck of a lot more active. You know, I, 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 honestly, there are times when I just take a break, um, typically on weekends. You know, I, I don't, if anyone ever checked my timeline from Friday, Friday at 10 a.m. to Monday at 6 a.m., I'll bet there's not a lot of activity.
2: Unless the Mets are winning.
1: Unless, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, or we have a snowstorm in April. Right. So I I, I do, it, it is important, and I probably should be on twitter more often jeremy does a fantastic job with that he is constantly tweeting out you know opinions thoughts observations a link to something i mean stuff that's real you know a fun little video clip whatever but um i you know so so i should do more of it i don't i think it is important i think it's it, it's, um, it gives you kind of a, a one-on-one connection you know, with, with your listeners because they feel like they're dealing with you directly when they respond to a tweet and then you respond to them as opposed to them calling up the show. It, it, it's, it's a way for a lot of people. Most people don't call, right? Most people listening, I don't, I don't even know what the percentages are, Patrick, but most of the listeners probably don't call, you know but this is a way for them to essentially call the show. Here's my opinion to your topic. What do you think? And then you tweet a response back to them and it goes back and forth. And sometimes you get into Twitter debates. So I think it is really important. I do it. I think it does matter. I probably should do a little bit more, but I also, you know, I enjoy it for the most part. Sure. There's some people that can get kind of nasty on Twitter. I don't have it that bad, not like athletes do, Um, but, but I, I do, I, I enjoy that. I think it's a really good avenue to get information out and, and to have some kind of by play between you and the listeners beyond the radio show.
2: One more radio question, then we'll move on. You have, for the most part, a great demeanor, but how hard is it to, for people when they call, asking you insanely idiotic questions or making, you know, a hot take that's just complete garbage? How hard is it sometimes, at least, to just bite your tongue and not give them, a, you know, a tongue lashing of a lifetime on the air?
1: I try not to. What do I mean? What do I know? I'm, you know, I'm just a guy who has a radio show. I, I haven't cornered the market on sports knowledge. I'm wrong plenty of times. So I I try not to do that. I, I don't think I can't say I've never done it. I do. I I have had times where I fly off the handle and I get really angry and I probably shouldn't. Um, I try and keep it respectful. I try and be polite. As I said, everybody's allowed to opinion. Mine's not right plenty of times. Who, who, Who am I to be judgmental or make fun of someone or ridicule someone because they, they have an idea that I think is just nuts. So, um, you know, I I I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I get frustrated, you know, with this whole quarterback debate and the draft and, you know, somebody called the other day and 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 basically said, "Don't forget guys, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Let's build the defense." And I just I don't I don't get that. I mean, it I get frustrated at times, but everybody has an opinion. I'm glad they call the show. They're allowed to have an opinion, and I don't feel it's right for me to demean somebody else. I never want it to be personal as I said, I hope I haven't done that, and I apologize if over the, over the course of time I have. It should never be personal. You shouldn't make fun of somebody else's opinion. They believe what they believe. I believe what I believe, and that's okay. That's what talk shows are all about.
2: I agree about opinions differing, even if it's like a crazy opinion. But I feel like there's at least a small percentage of people out there, just like on Twitter, who are trolls, and their sole purpose of calling a radio station is, is to try to incite some kind of yeah. response from you or or from Jeremy or or for Chopin, you know, on the bulldog and stuff like that. I know that personally because when I was younger, I had a buddy who used to call the radio station. I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I will. When when Coach Dickerson was on and on WGR, cause he used to lose the handle and go crazy at least once a day. Yeah,
1: right. So my friend would right. call
2: and he would probably say something intentionally stupid, like Andre Reed needs to be traded while he still got value, or something like that, just to to get a response from him. you feel like sometimes you're getting trolled like that?
1: Probably, and I, but I don't, you know what, I don't really, at the time the call's coming through, I don't consciously sit there and think, they're probably doing this on purpose just to get a reaction. I probably tend to react. <laughs> um, but, but I, again, like I said, I, I try and keep under control. I try not to get too carried away. Um, you know, if it gets personal, that's different. If someone gets personal, I don't think there's any place to do that, whether I do it or somebody else does it. Um, yeah, I'm sure those people are out there. And you know what? Sometimes it's funny, you know I look, I listen to the instigators, and you know you know, maybe not every day, but pretty darn often. Andrew Peters is going to say something just to get Craig Ravey upset oh, you of know course. What? As I, if if you look at it from my perspective, you can look at it differently from my perspective, I'd like to believe. You know, don't fly off the handle at, at every call because, yeah, maybe they're doing it just to get you react. But as a fan who's listening to the instigators, I'm not working on the show. I'm now a listener. I think that stuff's hilarious. I, when when Andrew says something and you can just, you know, if, if I'm not watching I'm listening and you can hear the steam coming out of Craig Reve's ears, like you know, oh, man, he's, he's about to go off on Peters. I, I love that stuff.
2: <laughs> All right, since I got you on the show, I do at least need to talk about the Bills draft for a minute here. So the draft is finally here. What do you want the Bills to do in the first round? And what do you think the Bills are going to do in the first round? Are they two different things or do you think it ends up being one in the same?
1: Can I give you a one word answer or would that throw off your show?
2: You can do what you got to do, man.
1: Quarterback. End of discussion.
2: No. Is, is there one that you don't like?
1: Um, no, no, not even Josh Allen. I know Josh Allen is a guy that seems to be the one that maybe fans would be afraid of. Um, You know, there's no one, there's no quarterback in that top six, if that they if if they take them Thursday night, but I'm going to come in Friday and yell at Brandon Bean and say, you failed. I'm just not going to do that. It doesn't make any sense for me to do that. I'll have an open mind. There are guys I'd like, that I'd be excited about. Um, I can't tell you that I'd be fired up Friday about Josh Allen, but I'd have an open mind. I'd be willing to, to sit there and say, all right, let's see what the kid can do. Let's, you know, we'll point out what are perceived to be his flaws. And I'll, you know, I can tell you about, watching some of his games and his games against the power 5 teams were bad and then his first half in the senior bowl was terrible his third quarter was great his first quarter against central michigan was eye popping and then he was just kind of Meh, the rest of the game so but, but no there's nobody that i that i would say i don't like that guy you can't draft him by all means no there, there's not anybody i would just take a quarterback and then we'll see you know i like josh rosen doesn't mean there's a 100% guarantee that Josh Rosen is going to turn out to be a successful NFL quarterback, but I enjoyed watching. I think he'd be a good pickup for the Bills. At the end of the day, get a quarterback. And ideally, get the guy you want without having to give up a lot of stuff, and you can use all the other draft picks that you have. That would be my dream scenario, but but I'll be open to whoever they pick. If they don't pick a quarterback, then I'll be angry.
2: I'm glad you mentioned Josh Allen because do I've re- got a question for you here. Do you remember a quarterback at any point ever being – bashed so much in the media fans they hate the guy whatever but yet there's talk of him possibly being the number one pick I, yeah. I can't remember a quarterback who's like loathed by so many people yet it's almost a lock that this guy's going in the top five or six picks at worse
1: yeah I, I don't know i don't have a name for it but but it's interesting we had trent dilfer on the show today and uh or no wait a minute. was it dilfer today or no, you know what is Jordan Palmer. We we I I we recorded an interview with Jordan Palmer. It's gonna to air tomorrow morning. And he was talking about Josh Allen and because he worked with him. Yeah, it was Palmer. He worked with Darnold and Allen. He ran their pro days and and he's been doing a lot of work with them in the offseason. And his point, take it for what it's worth, because he did work with Josh Allen, so you would think he's gonna say good things about him. But his point was, you know, a lot of these people bashing Josh Allen has probably never seen him play, which is true. I haven't seen all his games. I would have seen Three Wyoming games out of 11, I think he played, because he missed a couple games with injury. So, uh, And I'll I'll bet there are plenty of people who call uh, our station or tweet or text us or whatever and say, man, I hope the Bills do not take Josh Allen because they they read what people say about him, or they go online and they pull up Josh Allen's stats. Holy crap, 56%. Woof, that's not good. And then they see the stat about when they played up against Power 5 teams the last two years. I think it's one touchdown, eight interceptions. And you look at that and you read all that and you go, this is not a good idea. Let's not take Josh Allen. So I get it. I understand it. Um, but that's why I said, no matter what they do, I'm, I'm going to keep an open mind. And uh, I'm not exactly a 100% trust the process. We'll always believe in your GM and your coach because they know what they're doing. We've learned that's not the case around here. But at this point, I'm you know, willing to give Brandon Bean the benefit of the doubt and figure out if they know what they're doing.
2: One final Bills question. What's your thoughts on AJ McCarron? Because he's probably going to be the starter for 2018, no matter what happens with this draft in the first round. Chances are he's probably going to start while the rookie learns for a little while.
1: Yeah, that's okay. I'm fine with that. There's, I'm, you know, I'm not looking at this draft whether it's you know any any of those guys in the top six. Um, for example, I wouldn't say draft Josh Rosen because that's the guy everybody says is the most pro-ready. He's the quickest guy in. Maybe he can start right away. I'm not looking at the draft that way. I'm looking at it as draft the best quarterback you like and give the kid some time. If he, if he comes out and wins the job in August and looks really good and he's ready to go, great. If not, fine. A.J. McCarron, bridge quarterback. I mean, Once they traded Tyrod Taylor, I, and I, I was all about a bridge quarterback because I'm putting all my eggs in the draft pick basket. And if McCarron – and if, by the way, if McCarron – I'm not expecting much. If he plays well, great. Then the Bills could have a really interesting problem on their hand. You re-sign A.J. McCarron because he's been really good, or do you trade him and keep the rookie, or do you trade the, the young quarterback that you drafted because someone else needs a quarterback? I'll deal with that if he turns out to be good. I'm just expecting that he's a, a, you know, a seat holder, so to speak, until the rookie, uh, that young quarterback, is ready to take the job and run with it.
2: Right. Okay, now every interview, I like to end with a little mini lightning round. I'm just going to ask you five or six kind of semi-random questions, and just give me the first answer that pops in your mind. I stole this from Michael Kay on his show, so this is okay, how I like I
1: understand like to that at my age now, my brain doesn't work fast enough, so I, I don't know if I can process things quick enough, but I'll give it a shot.
2: <laughs> well, we're not live on the air, so I can always uh, tighten it up a little bit. <laughs> Favorite athlete growing up?
1: Oh, Tom Seaver. That's easy. Favorite. And that'll never change. Always be my number one favorite athlete.
2: Looking back, if you couldn't have a job working in sports, sports in any capacity, what do you think you would have wanted to become with your life?
1: I never wanted anything else. This is, the you know, I, think I I am one of the two, the, you know, I am the nerdy, geeky sports guy who is sitting in his basement at age eight you know, broadcasting hockey games off the television into a cassette tape recorder. So this is the only thing I ever wanted. I never, ever thought of anything other than sports and broadcasting.
2: Favorite person to interview.
1: Wow. Favorite person to interview. Oh, man. I know I'm supposed to give you a quick answer. Uh, Take
2: your time. By the way, Richard Deitch, I asked him a question, which I'm going to ask you at the end here. took him a good 40 seconds to come up with something. So don't worry about it. (laughs) No, it's
1: really, you know, it's hard because, you know, we've interviewed so many people over the years and I, I don't have a knee jerk reaction where I'd say, wow, this guy was always a favorite interview. I've always loved talking to Marty Baran, you know, Um, I I guess I would go with Marty just because it's just so much fun. Uh, Every time he's on the show, the guy always makes me laugh. So let's, let's go with Marty.
2: All right. yeah, obviously, you go to bed early on most nights, but when you get a chance to watch some TV, is there any show that you're into right now?
1: Yeah, let me see. Uh, does Family Guy count?
2: Hell yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, there's there's a few shows. Um, I'm trying to think. What do I DVR on a regular basis? Um, uh, you know... From a sports standpoint or an anything standpoint? Like, from a sports standpoint, I, I always love them. the 30 for 30s. I find the 30 for 30s riveting. Right. Um, from a non-sports standpoint, I'm a big history buff. So, you know, uh, Smithsonian Channel, uh, Nat Geo, uh, Military Channel, History Channel, all that stuff. I'm a huge history buff. So, big, big into presidential history. So, there's any, like, I loved West Wing. West Wing will always, has, uh, was and will always be. One of my all time favorite shows. So anything with history, I'm I'm in to watch that stuff.
2: If you could follow one person and only one person on Twitter, and I'm gonna make this a little harder, it can't be Jeremy White. Only one person you're allowed to follow, who would it be and why? Hmm.
1: One person on Twitter. Only one. Boy. I uh, I I don't even know if I'll have, be able to come up with something in forty seconds. <laughs> yeah, there's no. I, I'll be honest with you. There's no. You know, if I if if I decide tomorrow I quit radio and I decide to never get on Twitter again, I can't. Like you, basically ask: Is there one person you really miss? Like you couldn't go without? I don't have an answer for you. There's there's nobody I would you know have to be on Twitter for to see.
2: Last question: They could be dead or alive. Three people you'd love to have at your dinner table with you?
1: Huh. Well, if they're dead, I mean, that's really going to hamper dinner, isn't it? Like are we talking, like bones, like skeleton. That would be a bad thing.
2: Uh, you want to make it a golf course?
1: <laughs> um, Abraham Lincoln. Okay. You know, I got to have, <clears throat> I got to have somebody for presidential uh, sports. I need someone from sports, someone dead or alive. I would probably say Babe Ruth. I think that'd be pretty cool, you know, to talk to him. Sure. Um, oh, you know what? I'll go music. My, uh, my favorite, my favorite, uh, artist, singer, musician, whatever, Bruce Springsteen. So there you go. Abraham Lincoln, Babe Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. That would be quite a dinner party, by the way.
2: It sure would. Howard, thanks so much. By the way, Monday, if the bills happen to strike out moving up and they don't get a quarterback at 12 or, and if the Sabres end up getting screwed on the lottery Saturday and they pick fourth. I don't know if I'd want to be in your shoes Monday morning for, for WGR.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know what'll happen. I'm not sure how the lottery isn't. I mean, the lottery, I think we're all conditioned to expecting them to lose. Um, I don't have my hopes up for Saturday if they win. Great. But you know what? I'm, I am in getting myself in the mindset to expect the fourth overall draft pick. (laughs) The the bill thing is completely different. They're, they're getting a quarterback. There's, there's no way they're going to go through that draft. And not get a quarterback. And I, I'm 99% sure it's in the first round, but Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron are the only two quarterbacks on this roster right now, and they traded their starting quarterback who uh, helped them get into the playoffs last year. They're taking a quarterback. If they don't, hell, Monday we're going to have a great show. <laughs> we're going to have a lot of calls.
2: Thanks, Howard. I appreciate your time, buddy. Thank you.
1: My, my pleasure, Patrick. Thank you.
2: Thank <laughs> you. All right, guys. So I am straight up double dipping on WGR 550 today. You already heard Howard Simon. Now I got Nate Gary on because Nate, I'll tell you what, buddy, I'm going to do a mock draft. I have not done any mock drafts, whether it's in my blog or on this podcast. I want someone who knows what they're talking about, who can uh, offer some insight and tell me if they think I'm wrong. How you doing, Nate?
0: I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. I've uh, I've heard a lot about this podcast. I've listened to myself, and so I'm excited to be on with you, man.
2: Thanks. Well, you know, and it sure, as shit ain't me, dude. <laughs> it's the guest. <laughs> I, I, I've had some really good guests on, and that's helped. And I'm not much of a a mock draft guy. Like I said, I haven't done one. I know you guys do one every other day. Yeah. You know, I know you have one published. And just so before we get started, I want to let everyone know that we're taping this in the late hours of Tuesday night. So if something happens on Wednesday before you hear this Thursday morning, if there's a big trade, we're we're not idiots. We take this Tuesday night. So just be aware that something could happen, not likely, but at least it's possible. So here's what we'll do, Nate. I'm going to run down my mock. I'll start at the top and I'm going to flip it to you after each pick, just for a pick your brain and a couple thoughts. And if you think of something that's way off, by all means, I want to know. I don't want someone on here who's going to agree with everything I say. I'm sure you probably won't. Okay.
0: I'm I'm not like, I'm just like Josh Rosen. I'm not, a, I'm not a yes
1: man. So
2: don't <laughs> <really>. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's what I wanted to hear. All right. So you're ready. Let's, let's do this now. I'm going to start at the top with Cleveland. Look, it's Sam Darnold. I don't care yeah. what anyone says. It's they're going, I get it the last couple of weeks. There's just so much time during this process that rumors come out and some of them might have some legs to them. I've heard of all about Josh Allen and I've heard all about Baker Mayfield these last couple of days, but at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, I just cannot see the Browns screwing this up again. Take the guy who almost everyone thinks is the closest thing to a safe sure thing in the draft. Are you with me on that or no?
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you, Darnold on one. I, I, I think Rick right after his pro day where um, he had his, uh, his parents up in the stands and the owner of the Browns sitting next to his parents and, Uh, him after the his pro day talking about how he wants to be in Cleveland I I think anybody any one of these quarterbacks the first one that said they wanted to be in Cleveland that should be the guy that Cleveland should draft because um, I I think that they're having uh, similar to what Buffalo had for a long time is, is issues bringing guys in that that want to be a part of that program so anybody who wants to be a part of it um, and obviously who wants to be drafted number one. I, I think Darnold checks a lot of boxes. He definitely worries me, um, but I, I, I've, I've kind of thought all along in this process that he makes the most sense um, at number one. So yeah, I, I'm with you wholeheartedly there. I think there is an opportunity to Josh, um, Josh Allen gets a look there, gets a sniff. I, I'm not really buying the Baker Mayfield talk. Um, he's just not your prototype, and when you've got other prototypes available to to pick the six-foot guy over all the other guys that have so many other – um, you know those intangibles. I think Darnold's the the no brainer.
2: You know, and a lot of a lot of teams. What you said might not make sense, but I think you nailed it perfectly with Cleveland. Wanting to be there does matter on this yeah. team because there are you know this is a team that has screwed up royally for a long time now. They don't win, and it's been a circus there. So that does matter if it's close, and I do think it might be somewhat close. I do think that there is some legitimate Josh Allen talk that's just not gossip garbage. But at the end of the day, it's got to be Darnold. Come on, Cleveland. You got to take Sam Darnold.
0: Yeah, and if it's either or, both guys are going to be the guy that are that are sitting next year. Either Allen or Darnold, in my opinion, are ready to play next year. You know, Darnold's 20 years old. Um, he's going to be the youngest player drafted since the merger. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at a guy who could use some time. And obviously they traded for Tyrod Taylor, so they're not in a hurry. I think either of those guys, they're the developmental type. That's why I think they fit the mold more so than a guy like Mayfield, who's 23, going to be 24. By the time he's playing and potentially starting for them, he's 25 years old. You look at Darnold, by the time he's starting, he could be a 21-year-old, you know, sp- second-year player um, getting the reins to a really, really talented offense. So, yeah, Darnold to me makes checks a lot of boxes for them
2: sure and one more thing before we move on to number two as this pertains to the buffalo bills i do think that donald is the one guy that buffalo would try hard to get yeah. to two for i don't think they can get to one i think they would make a legitimate hard push to get to number two for donald but if we got donald going to cleveland and we both do here that's off the tables as far as i'm concerned i don't think that buffalo tries to get to number one or two for another guy so yeah i
0: think I think Darnold becomes really difficult for the Bills because I think if he does fall to two, that the Giants would have a really difficult time. You know, because from from what we know is he's if he's there that that's the guy that they'd really consider the only quarterback to consider taking it to. So I, I think it, I think there's going to be a lot of scenarios where it, it would be very difficult for the Bills to find their way to Sam Darnold.
2: Exactly, and you said it perfect with the Giants. Now they're picking at two. I think if if Cleveland went Josh Allen. I think the Giants would absolutely run to the podium to draft Sam Darnold. But he's gone in our our mock here. I think in that case, they don't go quarterback. They might field some offers. But at the end of the day, I think they're going to end up making the pick. And I think they're going to take Saquon Barkley. The guy's a game changer. And I've heard things going both ways. Some people think he's a franchise guy. I had Benjamin Albright on the podcast last week, and he was nowhere near as high on him as others are. What what's your thought first on Barkley and do you think there's a good chance that the Giants take him at two or do you think they were going to look somewhere else?
0: I think there's a really good chance they take him at two, but I also think Bradley Chubb's going to get a play in there. Obviously they traded Jason Pierre-Paul. There is a whole um th- there is sort of a need for uh you know that kind of player. Um I I think Bradley Chubb the only thing I think about with Bradley Chubb is I, I do think that Cleveland will consider him at one if they think they can get their quarterback at four, depending on who it is, because I think they like Chubb that much. And and with Barkley, you know, Barkley is an interesting guy because with the rookie wage scale, um, picking a running back two overall, considering what his fifth year option will be, which is likely going to be somewhere in the 14, 15, 16 million dollar range, meaning that he's likely going to be a top paid running back still under his rookie contracts, unlike a quarterback where you would be very comfortable paying a 14 or 15 million dollar fifth year uh you know rookie extension on their contract essentially you know their their rookie option the running back is different you know you don't want to be in the bills are one of those teams right now that are paying with sean mccoy 13 million you don't want to be one of those teams who's paying your running back um up there with with some of the highest um, paid per year running backs in the league. So that's the only thing that that, I, that worries me a little bit. But I think if you're looking at that team, it just makes sense. Because if they're not, it doesn't seem like they're going to take Quentin Nelson, who I think they should really consider taking. It's just their offensive line is atrocious. But they haven't had a running back there since Tiki Barber. They really need someone um, to sort of alleviate some of the pressure off Eli Manning. If that that's the route that they're going to go, which it looks like it is.
2: You bring up a great point, And this is something that's not talked about enough. Things have changed when it comes to the draft because of that rookie cap in the fifth year thing. Nowadays, it's not financially crippling to take a chance on a quarterback in the top 10. Sure, you lose that pick and you know he might flame out and bust, but it's not going to destroy your salary cap like it used right. to back in the day. That's a really good point. And teams like the Giants who have a 37-year-old quarterback, that's probably not lost in them. I'm really glad you said that because that does bring quarterbacks in the play. I personally don't think they're going to take one unless it's Darnold, but it wouldn't like floor me either. If they ended up taking Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield or Rosen, any of those guys at this point.
0: Allen would, to me, stick out as the only other guy. He just seems like a Gettleman guy to me, you know? So that would be the only other guy I would think that they'd really kind of kick the tires on, but with Barkley and Chubb staring them at two, and even Nelson, it would be so difficult for them to, to pick quarterback over those, over those types of names that are at the top. Cause you're really getting the best player in this draft at number two. Like that's, that's where this draft starts. So they, in, in that, you know, when you're thinking about it in that, from that aspect, it's going to be difficult for them to take a quarterback if it isn't Darnold.
2: Yeah. I think it's going to be Barkley or Chubb under that Darnold goes one scenario. So moving to the Jets at three, I think it's one or two guys. I don't think there's any controversy about that. I think they're looking either Mayfield or Rosen. And at the end of the day, I think they're going to go Baker Mayfield. It just feels like a fit to me. I think of that Broadway Baker thing. It just seems like a really good fit to me. But It could be Rosen, too. Do you have a thought on one of those guys
0: or someone else? I I think at three, it's absolutely 100% Baker Mayfield. I I, I think if you have Saquon Barkley come off the board at two Darnold one that the Jets wouldn't even let that clock get to zero before they went up and made that decision I I, like I from everything I've heard a lot of really smart people that I've all I've all spoken to Benjamin Albright being one of them who firmly believed up to a month ago that number three was Baker Mayfield's spot and if he doesn't go three that there is a a significant fall that can happen with Mayfield and and similarly with Rosen as well but I, I think that the, the firm, the consensus for me anyways, is that Mayfield goes three and, and it'll be interesting because then Rosen and Allen are still on the board uh, when you get to four, which is where kind of becomes the interesting territory.
2: Right. And let's get to that pick. Now, Cleveland's on the board at four. I'm sure they're going to get a lot of phone calls, especially if two of the first three quarterbacks are taken, uh, you know, over the first three picks at the end of the day, though, I got them taking Bradley Chubb. I, I just, There's a, I'm sure, teams that don't need a quarterback, he's number one or two on pretty much every board. I'd be willing to bet that. I don't care if they uh, took a DN last year at the top. I just think that he's the guy. I don't think they're going to trade down. What do you think?
0: I think you're spot on. I, I think Bradley Chubb, like I told you, I, I think that they'll consider him a one. That that's how highly um Cleveland thinks of him. I had Eric, Eric Elko on with me, um of Optimum Scouting. You know, he he seems to think that they're in love with him. They're enamored with what he brings, not only on the field, but in the locker room as well. Um I think I think Bradley Chubb's the pick. And and if you're the Browns, like think of it this way like everyone's talking about how the bills should move up to four. And if you're the Browns, why in God's name would you give up the opportunity to draft one and four? You're going to get, you're going to get your franchise quarterback, you know, hopefully, and you're going to get the second best player in the draft. Number four to move back to 12, I think would be silly considering that team more than anything. They've actually added some really nice depth pieces. They need top end talent more than just about anybody. I think trading back would be foolish for them. And I think the real, um, Pick for that comes into play here for the Bills is the next one.
2: Yes, it is. And here's here we go. This is where Patrick Moran loses the couple fans that he actually has. I do have the Bills moving into the spot. I've had that for a while now. I have the Bills training up to five, Denver, and I had them taken Josh Allen. And I will not let me say this. I'm not the biggest Josh Allen fan. I personally. Would not do that. Personally, if this is how the board played out, I would pick Josh Rosen. I've just get this sense. And again, not that I have sources, but I have talked to you know guys like Ben. Greg Gabriel's been on the show. A couple other people I've talked to. The Bills like Josh Allen. They just yeah. really like him. But that's not, before I turn it over to you, why I think people are going to be mad at me in a second. Here's why. The Bills are going to give up 12. They're going to give up 53. But I don't think that 22 is going to get it done. I think for this trade to happen, I think Denver is going to demand that the Bills give up their 2019 first round pick. So at the end of the day, you're talking 12-53 this year and a 2019 first round or next year. I think that's the way it's going to get done. I think if they don't meet that, there's other teams like Miami, Arizona. Who knows, maybe a mystery team New Orleans, somebody that tries to get up into the spot, or maybe Denver just takes a quarterback themselves at five. Yeah. I just think that they're gonna pay a price that fans if they don't like Josh Allen that much to begin with, they're really, really not going to like having to give up a 2019 first. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and
0: I I think you're you're pretty spot on. And that's kind of what I'm feeling too, is is that um I, I feel like sixty-five percent right now if they moved up and, and Allen and Rosen were available that it would be Allen and and I sort of sit in the same realm as you with Allen is, is I don't hate him um, but I certainly would not feel good or comfortable with them taking Allen when Rosen was still on the board available and and knowing the sort of leverage the Broncos are going to have with those two quarterbacks on the board and having six coming up and, and knowing that not, not only the Colts might want to trade back but That Denver could take a quarterback so I don't know I feel like Denver has put themselves into a really nice position I personally think that Denver stays and takes Quentin Nelson as much as I think that they could move back um and potentially get two first round picks this year um in 12 and 22 or 12 next year's one and like you mentioned 53 um I that that's a you know favorable thing for them too to add some players but I think they could add the a generational a decade type um, once in a decade type player and Quentin Nelson and really sure up their offensive line. They drafted, uh, the kid from, uh, Utah Bowles, right? Garrett, Garrett bowls, I think last year, yes. uh, their left tackle. So they, they've got some good young players up front. I would think, and, and to be honest with you, the fact that Quentin Nelson gets past five, uh, would just be sort of mind blowing to me because of how good he is. So yeah, I am with you on Josh Allen. If they are going to trade up to five, but I, I would think if Denver stays put, it's gotta be Quentin Nelson.
2: Okay. Now, in regards to the trade, you play John Elway or you play a GM on another team, whether it's four, six, seven. Don't you want that 2019? Not only do you want it, don't you almost demand it, especially considering it's the Buffalo Bills. I don't want 22. Listen, I want the Bills to get the best players and I want them to give up the least valuable assets possible. Mm. But I'm also thinking realistic here. This is a quarterback needy league and there's a lot of quarterback needy teams. That is going to come with a price. The Jets gave up three twos just to move up three spots. It's very likely that the Bills are not going to be a playoff team this year. So yeah. would you rather have 22? You potentially could have a top five to 10 pick. If you're Brandon Bean, man, you're going to have tough choices to make. Everyone knows you want a quarterback. I think that they're going to have to pay a heavy price to get them, at least if they want to get into the top five anyway.
0: I think you're totally spot on because here's the thing. If they don't take a quarterback this year, John Elway's is going to say, okay, well, we're going to need to take one next year and I'm going to need to have the ammunition like you had this year to get into the top five. If we believe they are a good. And I, and I think that they think they're going to be a pretty good team. I, th- I think after what they saw from case Keenum last year, that they're expecting to be a playoff team in that division who has a rookie quarterback and, and some question marks in, in, you know, and obviously in Oakland. And so I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But at the end of the day, I, I think you're right. If, if you're Denver, you're, you're pushing for that 2019 pick, knowing that if you don't want that 22nd pick, that there's going to be other teams that that are going to be willing to move up to five in front of the bills and give up that 19th pick.
2: Sure. And this is where, well, if we were both doing a mock right now and unveiling it where we would differ because, I got trades that you might not have. So, you know, our picks are out of whack here. Mm -hmm. And number six, this is Indy's pick. I got them moving down again. I got Arizona moving all the way up to Mm 6-15. from And I got them taking Josh Rosen. And furthermore, I think they try to get to five to Denver. I think they really want Josh Allen. I think they don't get him. The Bills come in a little higher and they get Josh Allen. Which, again, I think we both might think that Rosen's the better quarterback. But neither me nor Nate Gary our Brandon Bean right now. Right, I think they like Josh Allen more, but anyway, I think Arizona is going to come up from 15 and I think that's going to be a a shocker there. And I think they're going to be the ones who get Josh Rosen when this is all said and done.
0: I like that play. I also think too, um, it'll be hard for, for Indianapolis to move out of six. I I think because, uh, of, of what Roquan Smith, uh, the guy who I think that they've really, uh, it, it from a lot of what I've heard, is is a guy that they really, really, really like, and and if you think about it, think about how good Indianapolis has been over the past, you know, two decades. Obviously, take the last few years out of it, um, but. What have they really been missing? You know, what, what haven't they had over the last two or three decades of success? It's been that middle linebacker, that defensive captain, that defensive signal caller. You know, they just haven't had that. Even uh, going back to their Super Bowl runs with Peyton Manning, it wasn't about the defense. It was always about the offense. And even when they had good defensive players, it was up front. Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis and been in the back end and, like, you know, Bob Sanders. So they never, never really had that, that lockdown three down linebacker that, that demands um, attention from the offensive side of the ball. So I, I think it would be tough for them, but I think it, it would probably also, if they could pull a 2019 first round pick and 15 and probably like a second or a third that you would think that they would make that move all day long. Yeah.
2: Okay. So now we're up to seven Tampa. I got them taking Derwin James versatile player in the secondary. Their yep. Tampa secondary blows. I live in Florida now. No, no two ways about it. <laughs> I live down here now. Are there other players they'd like to have? Sure, they'd rather have Barkley. Barkley ain't sure. falling to seven, man. I don't care what anyone says. And the and the guy who's coming next, who I know if you were the Tampa GM, you'd be making this pick if he was on the board in probably three seconds. So I'm going to go Durbin James seven. And then I got Chicago at eight, taking Quentin Nelson, who you think is one of the best two or three players in the draft. And he is one of the two or three best players in the draft. I just think he might fall a little bit.
0: Yeah, I love both those picks. Um, I, and that's kind of where I would slot in, too. I, I think that the Bears would absolutely love a scenario where that happens. They can find a, a, a franchise offensive lineman to you know protect their new franchise quarterback and investments on the offensive side of the ball. And Derwin James, you mentioned it, um, a really, really good pickup for Tampa Bay, who you mentioned. Their, their secondary is terrible. Their, their best player, their best secondary player. Um, is, uh, what's, I don't know, now I can't think of his name, but he's old, he's played for the Dolphins, and the Saints, Grimes. What and his wife's crazy. Yeah, Grimes,
2: Brent I, Grimes. Yeah,
0: I don't know, Brent, that is it, Brent Grimes. Yeah. So, yeah, he's like their best defensive player, So he's, he's their best, uh, you know, defensive back. So, they definitely need some some additions there, but I, I that's exactly where I would have had slotted seven and eight as well. All
2: right, so I'm up to nine now. I got Frisco on the clock, and I got him taking Roquan Smith for two reasons. Number one, Ruben Foster, probably done. Number two, he's a hell of a player. And before I turn this over to you, if the Bills somehow cannot get up high enough to get one of these four quarterbacks, let's just say that four go in the first five or six picks, and for whatever reason, the Bills can't get there, this is the guy that I really want. I love this guy.
0: I'm the same way. Obviously it's a big position in need. I, I just don't know that if if they stay at twelve that he falls at twelve. But your oh, scenario no where way. four quarterbacks go in the top five, somebody's getting slotted down. Guys are getting slotted down. You know where Saquon Barkley goes, that could change things. You know, if Saquon Barkley doesn't go in the top three, that could change things. So yeah, certainly there there could be a scenario. I would love that. If 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 they're forced to not take a quarterback, it it should be him or um, you know, I, I really like McClinchy too. So like there, there's a couple of guys up there that if the bills can't seem to get up that, um, that Roquan Smith is like my ideal pick, you know, if, if we're not taking a quarterback this year, we're talking about Roquan Smith.
2: Oh, I got Oakland at 10. I got him taking Vita Vade, the defensive tackle from Washington, big space eater. That's the only concern with him. He's only played like 62% of the snaps last year. So he's not an every down player do get play, man. That That's the kind of guy you want on your defensive line. I think they would prefer Smith. Maybe they make a move up to try to get him, but if they don't and the way the board falls, that's why I got going there.
0: I would think the Raiders would have to take a hard look at Minka Fitzpatrick um, only because their secondary is so, so lousy. Um, they bring in, uh, Gunther, the defensive, uh, coordinator. So they're going to need a defensive back there. They obviously bring in like guys like Sharice Wright. They just brought in, uh, Worley. So they've got some guys that they brought into their secondary, but the Raiders have had some very questionable, you know, like play, like player personnel moves this off season, bringing a lot of older guys. But, um, yeah, it, that's not a bad pick. I, I'm thinking they would have to take a hard look at the back too.
2: I got Miami at 11. I, I think Miami tries to get up. But I think they get shut out again in a quarterback. And I don't think they like Lamar Jackson quite that much. So I think they stay pat and they take Tremaine Edwards, a linebacker. Yep. who I really like him a lot, too.
0: I'm with you right there, too. I think that they um, I, I think that's probably their their plan B. Obviously, their plan A, I think, is still to get a quarterback. But Tremaine Edwards is a nice consolation prize.
2: Twelve, I got Denver picking in Buffalo spot because I had the bills moving up. And that's where I have Mick and Fitzpatrick falling to, which would be a little bit of a fall because I think most people think he's going to go before 12, but I got him, I got him less than the 12. And if that was the case, I think Denver would be pretty pumped to get him.
0: Yeah, I think so too, because obviously they lose a keep to leave. He's the kind of guy that can play safety and corner. So it'll be interesting where he slots in, but I think the versatility there makes him a no brainer pick there for, uh, for Denver.
2: Now Washington would be on the clock, but I got them actually trading out. I got San Diego moving into 13. And I got them taking Lamar Jackson, who mm-hmm. would be the fifth quarterback off the board in the top 13. I've talked to a couple people I've talked to say this guy's going in the top 20. And some other people don't think he's going to even get drafted in the first round. San Diego's going to need a quarterback. This guy's got a lot of potential. I think they're going to make that move.
0: Yeah, I would think either them or the Ravens are really going to try to make a move up because I think a lot of teams are worried about the Patriots potentially trying to move up for Lamar Jackson. So, yeah, there's going to be some teams vying for Jackson's services, and it depends on who, they, who moves up. But, yeah, the Chargers are an interesting one, and I put those other two teams as, as potential trade partners as well for uh, for the 12th or for the 13th pick, I should say.
2: Yeah, I had San Diego going up to 13 because I know Baltimore would have jumped in him at 16.
0: In a second. Yep. Absolutely.
2: Now 14, I got Green Bay. This is where the Michael Clinchy uh, slide ends. I know you're high on this guy, offensive tackle from Notre Dame. It's just a, he's the best player on the board at this point, as far as I'm concerned, or at least that could also be a fifth for Green Bay, although they could use a defensive back too. I just really like him in this spot. And they could really use a wide receiver
0: too. And, and maybe, you know, Cortland Sutton or um, Kelvin Ridley, um, or Christian Kirk is available there. And and obviously all the, they would have the opportunity to take the top available or DJ Moore, the top available wide receiver. But I think based on your point that he's definitely the best available player, I, not only that, but you have to protect your you know, how many more good years are you gonna get from Aaron Rodgers if he keeps getting hit like he did last year? You know, so he's gotta be more upright. I think McGlinchy's the call there.
2: Yeah. And a quarterback could have been the play too. I mean, I think what they traded for Deshaun Kaiser, right. And they got Bonley, right. but I'm not sold out either of those guys. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Right, so now we're up to 15. It was Arizona spot, but I had Indy moving down and at 15, if Indy could get Denzel Ward, the corner from Ohio state. Yeah. I think that's a good pick at 15.
0: That's a big win. And he, he, he pairs them up with his old teammate Malik Hooker in their defensive backfield. Yes. And that is a very, very nice new look defensive backfield compared to where they were.
2: We get to the midpoint of the draft, and this is where guys start to go maybe a little earlier than you would say late first round, or maybe even not in the first round at all. Baltimore, after they don't get their quarterback, they did just sign, um, what did they sign? Sneed, the receiver, This yep, just a couple well, of Sneed, days yep. ago. I got them taking Isaiah Wynn, a guard.
0: Mm. Yeah, you could go Wynn, you could go Hernandez. Um, either one of those guys, I think offensive line is a great choice for them. I also think there's going to be some good pass rushers. Um, Davenport sticks out, uh, Landry sticks out there. Um, so two guys, because if you think about it, obviously you've got Terrell Suggs, who's on the very, very tail end of his career. Um, so they could use another pass rusher, but I, I like the interior line idea, either, either win or, or Hernandez is a good pick there.
2: You said Marcus Davenport. I got him going next 17 at Washington and at 18 Seattle's on the clock. I got him taking Josh Jackson in the corner from Iowa. I think it was really? Especially with Sherman gone. I think that's a really good pick for them at that spot.
0: Yeah, I, I love him because I think he'll he'll be a great zone corner. And and much like kind of like the Bills system, their scheme will highlight the some of the, you know, good things that Jackson does. I, I think he's one of the top corners in this draft. He's not a burner. He's not a guy that that I think is going to be a great man guy in the NFL, but you put him in a zone, he could be a lockdown guy.
2: Okay, so now we're up to pick 19, and I have another trade. It's a interest Bills fans here because I have the New England Patriots moving into the 19th spot, taking over for Dallas. Now, I know everyone's thinking quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. I don't agree. I think they move up, and they go get a guy like Connor Williams, an offensive tackle. Sure. Originally, you know, I thought of New England moving up and taking a quarterback. Here's the thing. Rudolph Jackson would be gone. Rudolph's still out there. I feel like this. I feel like Bill Belichick may end up following Brady out the door at yeah. the end of next year, maybe one more year after that. The most, I don't think he cares about a quarterback three years down the road. Right now, he wants to win now. He wants another run. Why not go get a starting offensive lineman that's going to plug and play from day one? Now, are there? You know, Will Hernandez would be another great if they want to address the line. What another great guy? But didn't they lose Nate Soldier?
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, He went to New York. Right. So yeah, I think you're right about Connor Williams. He makes a ton of sense there. Will Hernandez makes a lot of sense. I also think that the grade between Mason Rudolph and Luke Folk probably isn't big enough for them to say, we're going to use a first round pick on a guy that, you know, might give us an opportunity, might give us, you know, some time in two years from now. So like, they're going to need someone that's going to help them immediately. And I, and I think either, either one of those linemen, is definitely the play there for new England, just based on losing Nate soldier and soldier. And you just, you're going to want to keep Brady upright if he's playing three more years.
2: Yeah. I don't buy that. He's going to play three more years. But... Neither
0: do I. Neither do I. I <laughs> and that's what I'm not. saying.
2: And that's why I don't believe, you know, even if they could get higher and they could get even a better quarterback, I just, I think, and if they move up and, and my scenario, they do, it's going to be a guy who's going to play week one, not a guy who's going to be sitting right. on the bench. I don't care Most what definitely. position it is. All right, so we're off to Detroit at 20. I got him taken to Ron Payne. Not really much to add there. Cincinnati at 21. Oh, I mean, unless you do, of course. Cincinnati at 21. This is where I think Will Hernandez goes. They already traded for uh, Cordy Glenn during the offseason. Will Hernandez, guard. What a great pick that would be. They really can revamp the offensive line by taking him.
0: Yeah, uh, at 20, the only other pick that I'd pick is maybe Geis, the running back out of LSU, if they want to address the running back position. They brought in LeGarrette Blount, um with the Matt Patricia connection there, and obviously they still have Amir Abdullah, a guy that they invested a pretty high pick in, and Theo Riddick, who doesn't get enough credit as being in, just a do-it-all sort of back. But in terms of 21, I and, and this has really been the the pick that every – this has just been getting where it, it almost seems like it's a lock at this point that they take the center out of Arkansas, Frank Regno. And, and, and that from just from what I'm seeing on, on multiple fronts, that that seems to be the guy, but if Hernandez falls there, it'll be interesting. They obviously lose Russell Bodine. He's now here in Buffalo, likely going to be the starting center for the bills this year. They need a center more than I think they need a, an interior player. That's why Billy price could even be on the board for them. A guy that could play both center and guard. Uh, but I think you're right that they're going to address offensive line there. It just depends on who it's going to be and who they value.
2: Now we're at 22. And because of the trade I made earlier, the bad news, they gave up their 2019 first. The good news is we get to have a little more fun in this mock draft right. for fans <laughs> later on in the night. I got them staying at 22 and I got him taken late in Love this guy. I know he's not quite a true middle linebacker. He's versatile. He makes plays all over the field. I, I just personally love him. I thought about Rashawn Evans, but at the end, I just land on him. What are your thoughts on him? Maybe Evans or what else the Bills might do with this pick if they keep twenty two.
0: I'm thinking Vanderesh over Evans personally. I Bama guys scare me off a little bit. I talked to, about this with with my buddy Eric uh, over at Cover One, Eric Turner. We were agreeing. You know, it seems like Alabama guys really have reached their ceiling. They have great coaches there uh, that sort of really build and get the most out of their players. Where a lot of those guys that come into the league, there's not a lot of room for growth. Uh, Vanderesh is a guy that just screams he's got room for growth. I mean, this is a former walk-on a uh, team captain, a guy that sort of is all over the field. He does struggle um, when he gets engaged, and, some, and especially he'll struggle when he gets engaged by NFL offensive linemen, but I think the idea between, be, behind getting Starla Tule and, and, and sort of rebuilding the interior of the Bills' defensive line is, is to give their linebackers a little bit more freedom um, where they're not getting jammed up at the line of scrimmage by offensive linemen when they're trying to make plays. Van Der Esch makes a ton of sense. I think that they, the Bills would have a tough time if Kelvin Ridley fell um, to 22 saying no to the top receiver in the draft, but Van Der would, would scream to me, and, and Christian Kirk too. And, and I think more so because of what the need is at wide receiver that Kirk makes the most sense because he's the vertical threat. He's kind of the gadget player where Redley is your sort of Amari Cooper type. You're um, you know, very specific route runner and, and isn't necessarily the fastest guy, but, um, I, I think that they're in a need for speed. That's why Christian Kirk would, to me, make a ton of sense, but I'm fine with, with Vander or Kirk, or really DJ Moore, he's available too. So a lot of guys available for the bills at 22, if they, it wouldn't be great to give up 2019, but if you could keep 22 and have two first round picks this year, man, I, I'm feeling really good about that.
2: Well, here's the thing. Obviously, quarterback has dominated the offseason, as it should. You know, that's the most important position. There's no denying that. But if you look at this roster right now, I think you can make a really good case that linebacker is probably the weakest part of this entire team right now. After Matt Milano, what do you really have?
0: Yeah, not not much at all. I mean, you have Tanner Vallejo right now, who's who's basically penciled in as your Mike, and he I wouldn't consider him a Mike, right? So, and then obviously you have Lorenzo, who I love. Oh, uh, I love I just him don't too. Think he's, right? I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Lorenzo fan. I just don't think he's going to be at this point in his career, and he he's even admitted to me, you know, he told me that the the goal for him is to be in more pass rushing situations this year, not to be a traditional you know Sam linebacker. And, and to be honest, we know this. I mean, the Bills aren't a you know they're not running four three. 80% of the time they're running nickel 65, 70% of the time. So they only need two linebackers, but at the same time you do, you need to start filling up the depth of the linebacker. You're, you're totally right. That's one of their weakest positions, no doubt.
2: Yeah. I, I really think they would do themselves good by landing a quality linebacker. I don't know. Maybe some people don't like him the way I do. It's just something about this kid that I really like. So we'll leave it for there for now. That means 23 would be Dallas. It would be new England's pick, but I had them moving down. I got Dallas going wide receiver and I, I got them taking mm-hmm. DJ Moore. The Calvin Ridley slide continues.
0: It is interesting that the Calvin slide continues with their Calvin Ridley slide, but I you're I think you're spot on. They have to replace Des Bryant, right? Like they, they could, in my opinion, they could try to go defense. I know that they really like um they like Van Der Esch. I think they would be pretty upset if if Van Der Esch wasn't there for them. Um but yeah, wide receiver, I think that that's the you have to fill out the the roster outside of Dak because not only did Dak really take a step back last year, so did the talent around him. I mean, obviously they didn't have Ezekiel Elliott for a lot of the year, but just look at the wide receiver. I mean, there's Bryant is just, it wasn't, isn't the same guy. Just frankly, he's just not the same guy. And they bring in Alan Hearns, they bring in Deontay Thompson. They still had a couple of those small gadget guys, Ryan Switzer and the other white guy with the great hair. I don't know what his name is, (laughs) but uh, you know, so like they, they need a number one. I don't know that that they're going to get it there in the first round, but they might get a number two and, Either way, they need, they need some help a receiver.
2: I got another trade coming. Carolina would be on the clock. I got Pittsburgh moving into the spot and I got them taking a guy that if you were the Buffalo Bills and you took them, you'd be concerned. I have them taking Rashad Evans, a linebacker. Yep. They seem to take a linebacker all the time. So this is nothing new.
0: And they need it. They need it. Especially because Shazier's future is up in the air, which I would, I would, you know, probably stray on, on the safe side that he probably doesn't play again. So getting a guy to replace him or just to even compliment him if he's able to come back.
2: Right. Okay. I got one. I got another trade, dude. We're trading, I baby. I love this. This
0: yes. is how it could play out too. Yes. Like, I don't think people are really understanding how many trades could potentially happen in this first round.
2: Well, yes, because it goes beyond quarterbacks. Not every trade is going to be for a quarterback. You know what I mean? Right. This one is though, <laughs> as I say that, Tennessee's on the clock I got Miami coming back into the first round giving up picks 42 and 73 and I think this might be a reach but I think they take Mason Rudolph this is where I think he goes I think it's a good situation for him to go to and I'm not the biggest Mason Rudolph fan if I was sold on him at all it was by I had Greg Gabriel on a couple of weeks ago and God he sung his praises he went as far to say that he wouldn't be shocked if the bills stayed at 12 and they didn't get a quarter, one of the four quarterbacks, he thinks that he's good enough that he'd be okay with the bills using the 12th pick on him. He knows more than me. So who am I to say that's stupid? I don't know. I personally wouldn't do that, but you know, here late, late first round, maybe this is your guy. Yeah. It's a little bit of reach. 12, 12 is a little reach for me, uh, but it, it
0: doesn't have to be for everybody. I I've warmed up to Rudolph as this process has come along at, uh, I started off thinking he's probably, you know, the, the the difference between him and Falk, like I mentioned earlier, aren't that big, the, the drop off there. But when you're talking about Rudolph, that would probably be a good spot. However, I just look at Rudolph and I look at Tannehill and I see a very, you know, Tannehill's I think more a, a better athlete, but at the same, just the throwers that are very, very similar. It, we'll see. You know, I, I think if they want a quarterback, there's no doubt about it. And, and if, if they're willing to mortgage their future, I'm like all the power to Miami. If they that that would be a great trade for the Bills to watch them, you know, mortgage their future for to move back in the first round. It seems like a JP Losman type move. Sure now. does.
2: It sure does. And I'd love to see them have another JP Losman type move for Miami.
0: That's that would be great.
2: Here's the thing, though. I think. Maybe it's not Miami. I mean, I'm reaching on a trade. There, obviously, I think he's going in the first round. Is he a first so round too. talent? I don't know that he's a first round talent. I do think he's going in the first round. I think there's going to be six quarterbacks. I think if Miami doesn't move up there, at worst, I don't see Rudolph getting past say New Orleans at twenty seven. That would be another situation for him that could be good going to a team like the Saints.
0: I agree. Somewhere where he can play under the toolage of such a great coach, you sure. know, like a great offensive mind, that that makes a ton of sense.
2: Now Atlanta 26, Taven Bryan, defensive tackle. I've seen him all over the place.
0: I love him. I, I, I absolutely love Taven Bryant. Uh, I think that's a great spot obviously to lose Don Terry Poe. like there, there's a need there, but he's, he's going to be a good one.
2: New Orleans at 27. I'll tell you what. Harold Landry's a guy that yeah, he, he could be he could be one of those guys that we talk about when you have your mock draft. I've, I'm doing mine now. Like, how did this guy end up going 12th or 13th? Somewhere around that. This guy might go much higher than 27. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I got him going 27. He's a defensive end from, uh, from BC going to the Saints
0: be a huge pickup for the saints too. Like their defense took such a step forward last year compared to where they've been over the last really decade under Sean Payton. Like their defense has sort of been a joke. So, you know, the step forward they took last year, adding Landry would be a huge, huge, I mean, just their defensive line in general would, would, would look a lot better with Landry. on it. That's for sure.
2: Okay. I got Carolina picking 28. Cause they moved down from Pittsburgh. This is where the Calvin Ridley slide ends. I think.
0: Yep. That's a, that's a great spot for him. I think they would have ultimately wanted DJ Moore, but Kelvin Ridley kind of is a perfect offset to their Tory Smith. And, and um, who's their other big guy they got that they uh, drafted out of Michigan Funches. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Funches. So, you know, that, that, that's kind of the perfect yin and yang for those guys. I think Ridley's probably best spots going to be in the slot. They need a slot guy.
2: 29 Jacksonville. This is a spot where I think the first tight end comes off the board. I got Hayden Hurst going here to Jacksonville. I just think that would be a really good fit for them.
0: Yeah, they need tight end. Yeah, obviously the Mercedes Lewis they they release or let go of their longtime tight end. That offense needs some more weapons. They, they get rid of Allen Robinson and bring in the kid from the the Colts. And now his name is is escaping me. Um, do you know but, why they? Yeah. Do you know
2: why these names are escaping us? Because we've literally focused all of our energy on the draft. And, the, and learning these prospects, and trust me, we're probably not the only two. We start forgetting the guys who are actually in the NFL. Trust me, I've done it a million times over this last month.
0: Yeah, it's it's the time of year where you start to forget the people that actually play in the NFL.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so now we're up to 30. Minnesota, not necessarily in need, but I really like Jerry Alexander, at the corner He's just mm. a really good player. I know that's not the biggest need, but sometimes you just gotta take a player who you think is the best on the board. For me personally, yes. it's a guy I like a lot.
0: I can't believe he falls this far in here, too. Guys. Yeah. I think there's this is a really good corner draft. Um where last year, I think, it wasn't necessarily. And the Bills maybe came away with, you know, obviously Lattimore was really good too, but maybe they come away with with a really great corner in a draft that wasn't as deep as this one, and, and you have to feel good about that.
2: Dallas you know what, (laughs) you bring up these corners, let's go one more time. I got Dallas at 31, which was New England's pick as they moved down. And I got him taking the corner from uh, UCF, Mike Hughes.
0: Ooh, who's another one of my sort of wish the Bills could figure out a way to get him and pair him with with Tredavious White's speed. Um, There's a couple of really great highlight films, if you can find it on Twitter, Anthony Miller, the wide receiver from Memphis, who I also love, um, who I honestly think doesn't get enough love as being one of the top receivers in this draft. Um, but him and Hughes going one-on-one in Memphis versus UCF this year. And that is just such a time. That is, it's such a great film to watch so if you ever get a chance. That's uh, that's what you want to watch.
2: I'm glad you brought that up because before we get to the last pick, real quick here, I want to go back to the Bills one more time. I kind of pleaded a case that linebacker on this team is crap for the most part. Mm-hmm. You You pleaded a case that they really need wide receivers and they do, and they need linebackers and they need wide receivers. Make no mistake about it. But I'll tell you what, if you could get yourself a really good corner at 22, it might not be the sexy pick. If um, Let's just assume they keep 22. If they're to get a guy like Alexander or Hughes, or if Jackson falls a little more, someone like that to put with Travis White, because Vontae Davis is not the long-term answer. You know what no, I mean? No, I agree. And you have a secondary right now with Hyde and Poyer. Guys are going to be around for a while. White, you go get that fourth guy who's going to be around for a while. Your secondary can be set for the next three to four years. So I would not sleep on the Bills taking a corner if they end up keeping that 22nd pick.
0: If, and I would say if their linebackers off, because I think when you let, you have to look at value in, in McDermott's defense. And for me, what's more valuable or what can he hide better? He can hide corners just fine. Like the, his, his corners don't have to be all pro. He needs an all pro linebacker. And and I, and I think that's why you see the precedent will be to to take a linebacker over the top. Even even if a guy like Denzel Ward falls to them.
2: Great point. Linebacker over corner. Okay. We're up to the last pick now, Philadelphia. I got them taking a receiver and I know there's going to be one or two that are ranked higher than them, but I like Cortland Sutton. Mm. That that's my pick for Philly. I think Darius Geis is another guy that could be out there. Eh, he's probably going in the second round. What
0: a good- I don't love. I I've been seeing a ton of people mocking them a running back, and I'm just like, why? First of all, they they traded they traded for a running back last year, who is going to end up JJ is going to end up being their starter this year. They right. run from Lake liquor blood, but they still have potentially if they want him, Darren Sproles, and then they have Kendall Smallwood. They have. I'm sure I'm missing someone else too. Like they've got plenty of running backs in that room. I, I would think that why my, that team could use, you know, a few other pieces. They could use a new offensive lineman. They yeah. you know what I'm saying? There's going to be some ones on the board there. So I, they take best available, but maybe even tight end, they lose Trey Burton. Maybe you go after one of those tight ends. So I, I just did not love the running back mocks that I was seeing at 32. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me.
2: Nate Gary, everyone WGR 550. I'll tell you what, Nate, Again, we're taping this late Tuesday. So everyone remember that if there's a trade Wednesday, it's not our fault. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. I'll tell you what. I'd love to have you back on late Sunday. Let's go over the draft for Monday's podcast the following Monday. Let's get our thoughts on the draft and reaction. You're you're the perfect guy that I'd love to have back on Monday to do that.
0: I'm on, man. I'm ready to go.
2: All right. Nate Gary, WGR. Thanks for your time, buddy. Of course, my friend. Thanks for having me. All right, that'll wrap up this episode. Big thanks to Howard Simon for coming on and doing the show. Howard's been one of my favorite sports talk radio show guys forever now. Not to make him sound old, but for a long time. So it was a really big thrill for me to be able to have him on the show today. I also want to give props to Nate Gary from WGR for coming on and helping me break down my one and only mock draft. No more mock drafts, people. No more speculation. The time for speculation is finally over. The draft starts tonight. Enjoy it tonight, tomorrow, Saturday. Just enjoy the draft. We'll pick back up on Monday. I'll have Nate on again on Monday. And we're going to break down the entire draft from an NFL perspective. And I'll also have Tone Pucks on. We'll do our Pat with Pucks. And we'll focus more on what went down with the Buffalo Bills. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to this podcast. If you want to rate and review and all that other stuff, that's pretty cool. But I only care that you subscribe. Please do that. And you can follow me on Twitter at Pam Morant Tweets. Again, I'll be back Monday. I'll have Nate Garion, Tone Pucks. It'll be a good show. Enjoy the draft. Talk to you then.